0: From the PSI AASI Mobile Studios, Beaver Creek Resort, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair. We've got the Aussie national team joining us from China. Chris Rogers, Nick Alfieri, Tony Macri, Scott Anfang, Eric Rolls, anybody I left out. That's it. You got it. So, guys, how's it going in China?
1: Ni hao, George. <laughs>
0: Chris, let's start with you. Uh, What's the purpose of the national team being in China?
1: So uh, it's quite fascinating, actually. The Chinese government would like to grow the ski and snowboard population in China by 300 million snow sliders before the 2022 Olympics, which will be held here in China.
0: 300 million where are they going to be sliding on snow how many resorts are there in china
1: they uh they keep popping up they uh we are we're at Wanlong paradise resort and there are two other resorts that have just been built nearby in the last two years
0: that's incredible <laughs> And what's the, uh, is there a a pretty even split between those wanting to learn how to ski and those wanting to learn how to snowboard?
1: It is actually uh, pretty equal when you're out on the hill. And uh, it varies between resorts, but from our experience, we've seen a lot of snowboarders here. And it's really cool. It's really great.
0: Now, is the team over there working with Chinese instructors uh, on Things to teach, progressions. What exactly are you doing?
1: I'll uh, I'll pitch that to Tony, and he'll he'll chat a little bit. He's he's had a lot of experience here over the years. Yeah, George. In the last few years, just coming over here, there's uh, we're getting
2: quite a few different demographics of uh, students that we're teaching. Some are um, are people that are working for the resorts and trying to get some education and training um, to go out and teach instructors similar to uh, what you'd see in the states that others are people that are working actually in the cities and own like shops and things like that and trying to um, get more people involved in the sport and the industry and kind of want to create what they call clubs over here where they travel from the inner cities out to the different resorts. Um, So they kind of help teach kind of their crew and, and organize things.
0: What an exciting time for you guys to really be over there and help develop a brand new program.
3: Yeah,
2: it's been great.
0: Uh, any park riding, anything specific that you're working on?
3: Yeah, the park um, the, the park scene is kind of hit or miss, depending on where, where you are here. Uh, I, I haven't been to only too many resorts, only two, and it's, um, it's definitely, like, park building is still pretty new here, so a lot of the, the features and the shapes of the jumps are you got to be a little wary of and a little careful. But I will say one of the cool things about being here is that they love freestyle riding and it's in there. They're so fascinated, and so in love with it, and so anytime they get it, you know, they they always want to learn freestyle or carving or tricks or go in the park and slide the box, whatever it is. So there's a pretty big scene and pretty big demand for freestyle over
2: here. On that on that note, George um, Secret Garden, which is actually on the other side of the mountain that we're at here at well, Warmong, is uh they actually opened up the first uh, half in North America this year, they opened early in uh, November, so it's, it's pretty cool. I saw it. I saw it in the northern hemisphere.
0: <laughs> and are you guys uh, getting to go in and ride much?
2: Um, no, I haven't been. Haven't been over there because we're on the other side of the mountain. Oh, you are but, okay. Um...
0: And what are the mountains like in China? I mean, uh, as far as altitude, snow conditions, similar to what part of uh, <laughs> the U.S.
4: Hey George, I'll grab that one. It's got here. Um, I, I would uh, compare it more to like uh, like East Coast style in, in, in certain ways. Uh, it's a lot of kind of thick forests with some runs cut out, or way or above tree line. But uh, with what I, in terms of East Coast comparison, more of like lots of man-made snow, um, especially down here around the Beijing area. When you get up further north, there's uh, much more natural snow, and uh, it's. it's very cold here, kind of in the January months. Some of the coldest days I've ever had on snow have actually been out here. But uh, on the flip of that, we are uh, we're doing the opposite right now. It was uh, sixty degrees out on the snow yesterday, so definitely not not the coldest day. But uh, it's actually the, what was the temperature today? It was meant to get up seventy-five today. Oh my god! And then you're planning on making snow in two days because it's going to drop again.
0: No. I don't want to get, you know, political or anything, but I'm thinking of cultural differences or anything like that that is standing out to you, especially.
5: Can you repeat that question, George? We, uh, we had a little background noise here.
0: I was just, I was saying, I don't want to get political or anything, but I'm wondering if there are any cultural differences that you're noticing um, where any changes would have to be made in uh, presentation or, or uh, you know, really our teaching styles.
5: Yeah, George, it's Chris. There, there's definitely some cultural changes. I mean, we, so the, the three of us that were traveling in together, uh, joining Scott and Tony, we flew in and actually had a day in, in Beijing before we came up to Wanlong. And uh, we had the opportunity to go up to the Great Wall and get a, a little tour, hiked hike around the Great Wall, met with uh, essentially the governor of the area, who, uh, Mr. Mong, Mr. who hosted us at his office. And, and um... They're they're very keen on skiing and snowboarding right now. When you when you look at their commitment to creating three hundred million skiers and snowboarders before the Winter Olympics, uh, winter sports are like huge right now. And the entire Chinese process is is behind that. Their whole government, the whole uh, movement of the country, is behind people learning to ski and snowboard. So, uh, it compared to uh, compared to the U.S., um, you definitely feel. Like a little bit of a rock star here, they they welcome you. They they're very excited in what we have to present, what we have to offer, um, and um, I mean, you can't get past the fact that you're in China. We are presenting with translators, so everything that we say or, or present is then translated, and it's um, it's been an interesting challenge for all of us as educators because you really realize how much of your communication is verbal, and um, and then at the same time, like your your visual demonstrations obviously don't need translation, so you're you're jumping back and forth between presenting visually and kinesthetically and then everything you say is then translated. Anytime you ask a question, it's translated back to you. Um, and and you become aware of of just how specific and precise we're able to be with verbal feedback in the United States. You don't really know if that's all being conveyed exactly when you're when you're communicating with a with an instructor here.
0: And that was gonna be my next question was the language barrier has gotta be huge because even with a translator things may not be getting through exactly as you said or meant them
2: yeah it's
3: um i think one of the hardest things to do i find is i use like i love to make jokes in my in my (laughs) back home oh man you can't making a joke here across a different language is so (laughs) difficult like things don't (laughs) translate super well but it is it is um like I tend to think about when you're communicating with them, about 10% of what you say is, is going to get screwed up. So if you say a bunch of words, 10% of that turns out to be a lot. So it's all about just using as few words as you can and trying to get as little, um, use your translator, almost as little as possible, and then just use visual and, and, and all the other senses, the, the
5: different learning styles to, to get your point across. To double down on that, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being a guest-centered teaching model, and we like to ask questions like checking for understanding. And um, if you think about like our first-time guests and how they don't want to look dumb, and they're afraid of being cold, they're afraid of getting hurt, they're afraid of looking dumb. Um, that that concept of not wanting to look uh, not, not wanting to look like you don't understand is huge here in China. So you ask the question like, hey, does that make sense? And they will all say yes because they don't want to be the person that says they didn't understand. Um, And uh, it it adds a whole other complication in that you can't really ask that question. You can't really uh, check for understanding as easily as we do in the United States. Just
4: check for understanding in in nonverbal ways, just by action or asking them to do something. And if it's there, it's there. And if it's not, it's not. But you don't verbally uh, try to get uh, checking for understanding because the answer will always be yes.
0: This sounds like an amazing exercise in good teaching.
1: Yeah, this, uh, I tried a little experiment the other day where I encouraged them to ask questions for clarification. So I put the, the question on me, and I would reward them with uh, Starburst. So American Candies, if they would ask me good questions to clarify anything that was confusing so I had to take a different approach and just switch it around and it was successful so they were into it and uh, they are very disciplined learners very focused learners Um, just when you think they may be uh, not paying attention because they're not saying anything uh, that is uh, likely a time when they're super focused and really trying to learn
0: so I'm curious, uh, when you were asking those questions for feedback, was that a sign to you that maybe some of the things you were saying just was not translating correctly?
1: Well, I think part of that, uh, the, something I noticed consistently is they really want right or wrong or really black and white answers. So if anything was too open for interpretation, they would ask for they would ask for uh, clarity on what that was. For example, you know, with our guest-centered teaching focus, you know, we give a lot of freedom to our guests and what they want to do. And they, they really want to know what's right, what's wrong. And that can be really hard, you know, for snowboarding with some something that has such, uh, you know, open interpretation and uh, freedom of expression.
0: So... Just changing gears a little bit. Is this what you expected uh, when you were when you found out that uh, the team was going to be going to China? Is it more than you thought it was going to be? Are you having more fun?
2: Yeah, it's a great time. You know, um, myself and Scott have been coming over here for quite a few years now, and it's great to have some of the other crew come over there. Here, this is the first time that at least I've been over here with so many of us here at the same time. So it's great to hear our different experiences, you know, at the end of the day, we get together and hear our different experiences with the different groups that we're leading. Scott and I, for example, are leading uh, some training for actually for New Zealand um, Association, where the other three guys are running training for the AASI Association. So it's great to see, um, you know, how people are taking on the information and managing the information. Um, It's cool to hear the experiences and then ideally taking these experiences and just making us stronger teachers and clinic leaders when we come back to the U.S. and, and sharing these uh, experiences with how to deliver and make it more clear it the, the nonverbal communication and the strength of that nonverbal communication.
0: How much longer are you going to be in China? And have you met the goals that you went over with?
3: Um, we're going to be here for different amounts of time for each of us. Um, after... This week here at Wanlong, myself, Chris, and Rosie will head up north to Lake Songhua to do another level one. So our, our goal here is essentially to get 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 instructors or people certified, but also get them involved in our organization. And I absolutely think we're meeting our goal. Um, it's very important that we continue to hold our standard here over in China. But this will probably be uh, one of the last trips of this of this season for PSI-ASI. We tend to do two trips a year, uh, one in December and then one in March. So this will probably be our last trip. And then after this, we'll start talking about what, um, what next year is going to look like. Are there any other exams we want to offer, other disciplines, um, things like that to uh,
0: better fit the needs over here? Uh, in closing, anything you all would like to add in in summary?
5: I think I think the cool thing about this, George, is is China in terms of landmass is very similar in size to the United States, but the development of resorts is so new, and it's really interesting being here, kind of at the beginning of the the, the explosion in growth. I mean, they're talking about 500 new resort, new ski resorts here over the next four years as they prepare for the Olympics. Um, and, and creating 300, 300 million new skiers and snowboarders, and they need instructors to do that. And so there's this huge demand And uh, the British Association, the Canadian Association, the Japanese Association, NZ, that there's so many other organizations over here as well helping create uh, instructors to, to really build on on China's promise to, to create so many new skiers and snowboarders. It's a really exciting time you know, for, for us in the United States uh, there's been so much talk about the, the decline of snowboarding, and that's a lot of what we deal with is is how do we create engagement, how do we build instruction, how do we build skiing and snowboarding in the United States. And here it's literally building the foundations for an entire country's ski and snowboard education program. And
4: It's it's pretty cool to be a part of that. It's just developing of a whole industry from, uh, from a consumer participating to the resort to the instructors as employees and, and for us to be involved in helping um, – with our experience and and what we've learned through our organization and uh, and our certification process um, to bring that over here and and share it and just get people involved
2: on all levels is really cool. Yeah, on that note you know we all kind of get take on jobs in, in different ski schools across the U.S. when you roll into those schools, the systems and the the products are generally set, so for us to be over here and to um, help consult with some of those schools and, and talk about products and, and organizing and, and creating structure is, is cool to have an opportunity to do that. And they're just so open to,
4: for information, not to say they're going to do everything we say, but they're they're very open and, and uh, just like to listen and, and, and see what, what the opportunities and different options are. And then it's funny because, like Tony was saying, you know, We've been coming back for, for quite a few years, and it's it's cool to see every time I come back. There's a little bit of an influence of, of a conversation we had a year ago. You see it in uh, in a product they offer, or in a setup on the hill, or just just your little influences all
5: over the place, which is very cool. George, I think just one of the closing things that I think is really cool is just the value to our American membership of us being over here. These. These instructors over here are paying to be a part of our organization, use our tools like the Matrix um, to get 32 degrees, uh, to to buy our manuals. We're working on translating those for them, and and there's a huge value to our American membership in that that they're they're helping, their team is helping develop this whole other industry and how great that is for the the greater industry that the American Association of Snowboard Instructors and the Professional Ski Instructors of America are helping build these ties and build this industry over here.
0: Chris, Nick, Tony, Scott, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time to check in from China. From the PSI ASI Mobile Studios at Beaver Creek Resort, I'm George Thomas.